Welcome to the Lighthouse Experiment, a Freedom Center Church podcast. Welcome back to the Lighthouse Experiment Podcast, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us again for another exciting week. Chaplain Jim Parkin, myself, Mm -hmm. Ashley Chandler, and this week we're so happy to welcome back, back, back again, Pastor Carl Jones from Freedom Center Church. Thank you, sir. So hard not to quote Eminem, you know. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. He sees back. Yep. Tell a friend. (laughs) Oh, it's out there forever now. You are our most recurring guest, sir. So you can do whatever you want, I think, by now. This is so bad. So so I may have told you this story before, but um, I was talking with somebody and uh, we were talking about music that you listen to at the gym. And, uh, you know, this person was like, oh, I just I love listening to praise and worship music on the treadmill i just i just get my praise on and whatever what do you like to listen to and i'm like uh mostly gangster rap with a lot of cursing in it (laughs) get that get that yes get it out man (laughs) you know now it's gangster rap that's edited and clean so that's you know i've i've progress but i gotta be angry when i work out you know like i gotta be i gotta be like uh you know like i don't want to be bothered i don't want to be talked to and that's just the music that gets me that's going awesome. you know so yeah it's awesome uh-huh yeah i get it working work in progress <laughs> uh, i understand Yep. So what I wanted to get into was, like I talked about, I was thinking of it as the idea of, of like profession versus purpose, but maybe like occupation versus purpose is a better way to say it. And the thought there is that like for some, you have a job, but then you have whatever it is you're called to do and kind of one finances the other. So you can do the the thing, you know, that, that you feel that you're called to do. But for others, like in my case, the profession and the purpose lines up. So it's the same thing. And I kind of think that that's, in my opinion, that'd be more rarefied air. I don't think everybody has the good fortune of, you know, both things being the same thing, you know? So, but with that, we'll get into that, but also, when we get to, because our focus here on the show is mostly the mental health piece. So how do we stay diligent and how do we steward that purpose by taking care of ourselves, you know, in the, like taking care of our own mental and emotional fitness. And are we even more responsible to do so if we have like an anointing for our purpose, if any of that made sense? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, I I think that's one of the hard, um, one of the hard things that adds to a lot of mental health today is that desire to marry what I, what I do with this completely fulfilling sense of purpose. Right. Um, and I, I'd agree with you. I don't think that's the norm. You know, I, I'm not sure that the Coca-Cola salesman, you know, is, right. has this passion about soda as, you know, they go around selling this stuff and finds this innate yeah. right, passionate connection to pop. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't yeah. know, you know. Um, but I, I, I do think that that lack of connection in that, um, and there's tons of different statistics out there, particularly with younger generations that 
you know, they, they would rather work in a fulfilling environment than make a ton of money. You know what I mean? Like they, they would rather have that fulfilled purpose in their occupation as opposed to just work in the nine to five in a factory, you know, which is, is great work. I'm not demeaning that work at all, but if they don't find a purpose in it, you know, they're, they're just, it's not, it's not something that they're interested in doing, you know, which I think is where kind of that explosion of entrepreneurship was birthed out of over the last maybe 10 to 15 years Mm -hmm. where people are like, how can I turn what I'm passionate about into money, you know what I mean? To an occupation. But I do think that kind of what, what that did then was create this. Okay. Now I, I have to find purpose in what I do. I have to find this connection in my occupation to a a deep seated passion of mine. And if I don't have that, I, I feel this unfulfilled, whatever Mm -hmm. in my life, you know? So yeah, I, I think that that connection fuels some mental health issues that we see these Mm -hmm. days. Yeah. I I think it's interesting to kind of look at it either through like a disc lens, you know, we had Desi Maynard on like months ago, like, what are you kind of wired for? Are you somebody that's more detailed oriented, um, wants to just like, like I, I run numbers, I'm an accountant, but I'm also the person that struggled for a lot of years because I drove the hour to work, did the nine to five, rushed home and tried to do the work and family thing and ministry thing, like volunteering at church and stuff. And it was just so much to try to do all that. And now financially, we're at a point where I can work for the nonprofit. I don't need to go work an hour away to get the bigger job to pay all the bills because we've been able to get out a lot of debt and everything like that, student loan debt and everything. Um, but then if you look at giftings, so what are, you know, as as Christians, you know, God gives us, well, not even Christians, but just as coming from a position of faith, like if God has given me certain skill sets and certain giftings, and then he's asked me to move in a position or not, then there's a little bit of obedience there. So I th- I don't know. I think that if somebody has a strong desire to, to, like, they feel stuck in their career, I think that there's a lot of options that they do have. They can look outside the box and, and make decisions on what they want their life to look like, like budget-wise and career-wise and where they live and where they work. Um, so I hate to stick people in a box where they're stuck. Because we have a lot more ownership and ability to, to make changes in our life and to design our life the way we'd like it to look. Um, but I'm definitely one that I, I struggled in certain office environments. And now I, I've been so grateful for the last few years to be able to do more like supportive work with the organizations that I've been working for. And to take something like accounting and bookkeeping and feel very fulfilled in what I'm doing with that for the organizations that I've been working for. So, yeah. That's... Yeah, you know, I think, so like for myself, the profession I was in for quite a while before I came back to the faith and then a couple of years later understood the kind of where the purpose comes in there you know, and then, um, let's see. So like with those things kind of, as they kind of came together, it made it almost easier to do like the profession to do the job. Yeah. Like when you get a different understanding of what you're doing there and then, but then on the other hand, as we move deeper and kind of the mission changes and it adjusts, and God moves. And if you're hopefully paying attention, you move with them. Now I'm in a new season of that. And I see the purpose, not so much being a paramedic and kind of leading by example and setting a tone, but now I have this, this mission to kind of start watching over people yeah, and kind of be more of a, like a caregiver to our own. Yeah. 
know what I mean? So it's been wild and it's like, I kind of was getting into you. I think it's important. Ashley and I were talking before we went on, um, about, you know, we still in EMS and in the first responder community, there will always be the thing where you don't say anything that you're struggling with. A lot of that, like for police guys, they're never going to tell you. Like for a police officer, if I was in law enforcement or guys I know in law enforcement, when you're talking to them about like mental health or where they are or what their frame of mind is, you literally your best option is to say, are you going to kill yourself and not tiptoe around it? Okay. You know, for EMS folks, it's a little bit different. I don't have to worry about, like a, a cop would have to worry about, if, you're, if we feel you're a danger to yourself, now we're taking your, back, your, your, your weapon. So now that we've taken your weapon, you'll drive a desk or you'll be on the front desk in the station unarmed, where people come and ask their entry-level questions to you, and then all your buddies see you. And then some people will cast shade. Other people will be like, can they count on me ever again? And for a lot of them, the answer will be no. So they aren't going to say anything. Fire guys, same thing. They don't be taken off their position because you know, each crew, each guy has a, a job to do. And if... So- let me ask you a question with that because I, I think I think these kind of um, maybe life lifestyle professions, you know, like you would have, like I would have, tend right. to have their um, cultures with that. Right. So, oh yeah. What and, and I'll I'll get into it from a ministry standpoint, but from a first responder standpoint, wh- what what stops those people from admitting that they're struggling? What's the motivation to not say anything? Yeah, to keep your spot, be able to do your job mm-hmm. for the veterans for that community. If you admit weakness, you'll, you'll like, if you have a problem, like I feel like I'm going to hurt myself. I need to talk to somebody. I'm going through X, Y, Z. Lots of times you'll lose your clearance. You know, you'll, you'll start, they'll start taking away from in the military. Quite honestly, what they'll do is like, yeah, okay, cool. We're going to get you the help we need. And we're going to, you need, we're going to go ahead and chapter you on out of the military. Good luck. You know, in the fire, in the first responder world, it's just you don't want to you don't want people to not be able to count on you in a business where, like, in my world, partners are everything like that wouldn't happen between me and my partner because we do everything together. Like we do church together. We work together. Right. You know, we like everything. So that'd be different. But like for most of it is just like not wanting to lose your spot. So do you think that, follow-up question with that, then, do you think that the system that when, when somebody does work up that bravery to be able to admit that they have an issue, does the system, is the system set up to confirm those fears of losing their spot and not being counted on, or is it set up to actually help and restore back to a position? Um, it depends on the system. Mm-hmm. We have the, uh, we, you have what we call an EAP, which is just basically a care plan, but it depends. It depends on your agency. It depends on how that's set up. Okay. Not all of them are equal, you know, not all are the same. And that's why you now you see, like blowing up, you see like Mighty Oaks, um, Chad Robichaux, he's a veteran. He runs that. That is a faith-based organization where like they'll take guys struggling and send them on retreats. And it's all based on scripture and mm-hmm. kind of restoring them in that way. Yeah. And most of them come to faith during that. You have the Overwatch group in Out West. They're not faith-based, but what they have going and kind of what we want to do with TLE 
is they have one system they use called the buddy buddy program or buddy system. And it's just different people from the, from like the EMS world or from, in our case, it could be veterans from the church or whatever. And if you know them, you vet them a little bit, but what happens is they have a profile or like an email and this person would be like my profile, my name, my position, kind of how long I've been doing it. I'm married with kids. So if somebody coming up behind me is struggling in any kind of, it's like, say, how do you do a whole day working in Flint and then go home and are able to engage? And they see me, they go, this guy. And then it's all by email. So it's confidential. Supervision doesn't need to know about it. Right. That's a big thing, too, is you, if once your boss finds out or once that next guy up, you know, it depends on the condition you're in. But in some cases, they can just low key it. But in other, they're response to responsible to pass that information up the pipe. Yeah, you know what I mean? So it's a lot of that in our in that world, in, in those communities, a lot of it is just is, yeah, I know that I'm struggling with this thing, but I, if I say something and like your take, I'm like tampering with my own career longevity. Yeah. So, yeah, so do I'm you, just going to bag it. Do you think that you see folks more struggle with mental health if they don't feel like a, a sense of purpose and being in first response? Do you think, or is it just aggravated? Like with those that feel like maybe- I don't think I think everybody, everybody has the capacity or has there is there's probably cause in everybody's life to have some type of mental health something. Yeah. I think it's just aggravated. It's aggravated, like Pastor Carl said. I, I like what you said. It's the in the lifestyle jobs where yeah. it's not just it's like I'm always a paramedic. You know what I mean? I'm always right. The church's medical advisor, you know, which to me, that's cool. I don't mind that. And for me, it's like I've been granted this gift. So how much would I have to hate you to not share that gift and give it to everybody? But, you know, so I've had to come up with ways and learn tools. This podcast being one of them, how to be able to download things. You know, I use the analogy in a post this past week about how first responders and stuff like that, how we start our career with an empty backpack. And as little micro traumas and major events happen, we're just like putting rocks in the backpack. And if you don't figure out how to take some out from time to time, eventually the, you know, the bag rips yeah, and they all fall out and then you have this huge mess, Yeah, you know, for one, for everybody to see. And for two, now you probably don't have the capacity to try to clean it all up. You know what I mean? So it's just, I think that's the key is people learning the tools to, to manage it, especially yeah. when it's like for, I would imagine it'd be close for ministry too. There's so much, you know, what I call all the time, micro traumas, not major events so much, but so much sure. one thing after the other, after the other, after the other, right. you know, yeah. it's, it's both, you know, and, and you know, it's, there's no strange conversation that we've had there with the the parallels between ministry and the first responder world you know but it's where i wouldn't i wouldn't say people in ministry certainly do take their own life i don't think the percentages are near as high um but burnout is really high um and and even more than burnout is um just sin <laughs> you know what i mean and and right. shortcomings and you know I, I i think the parallels where you're talking about um the the pressure to lead um and i like and i i think being honest like i'm coming to not i'm not sure that i agree anymore with that word lead when it comes to ministry um, in part because, you know, I view pastoral positions as more servants than leaders. Like any any authority, like if if you guys walk into the church and I go, hey, don't do this. You know what you can say to me? No. 
And you know what I go? Uh, okay. <laughs> you know what I like? I don't have any authority that isn't that you don't bestow upon me in right. any way, shape, or form. You know what I mean? Like it's it's not like the law or first response. Like you have to do this, or or yeah. you know you suffer consequences. I mean, you may suffer a consequence of you know if it's if it's a sin that affects the entire body of something like excommunication, but that's you know, that's a big, long process, you know? Right. But it's like, I don't, I don't have any authority that isn't given to me by a person, you know what I'm like? Yeah. It doesn't, you know, but, but there's this pressure to, to lead not just directionally, but morally. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think, so much of those hangups come with people where they feel like I, I can't just, I can't just admit this stuff because people won't follow me anymore, but now they're going to think less of me as well. And thinking less of me in an occupation such as pastor, um, is, you know, it feels detrimental. It it feels, like you you how do you come back from yeah. from that when your reputation is tarnished when your image you know is is tarnished and, and so i've been having a lot of these conversations lately <laughs> but, you know but i think you know if if i don't have some guys that i can't be open and honest with you know what i mean like if mm-hmm if I don't have a, a, a bunch of people, not just to keep myself healthy so that I don't get to those dark place areas, but that when I do, I'm, I'm always going to feel shame, right? Like I'm, that's not the goal is to not feel shame, you know, when right. you do something unbecoming of the calling that you have. The, the goal is to have people in my life that will point me towards reconciliation and restoration, not right. towards judgment and condemnation. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so having those people, you know, I'm, I'm it's not a huge secret that I'm a big believer in community, you know, but right. having those people is vital, not just to, my ability to effectively pastor, but it's vital to my own personal health. You know what I right. mean? Like it's here yeah. and here, you know, like right. I, I, I have to have that. I think in a lot of ways, you know, I like what you said, the mic, what'd you say? The micro micro traumas, micro trauma, you know, because you, you do have when, when your occupation is so closely tied to who you are as a person and you can right. argue the, health of that or not you know right but what what i who i am is very intimately attached to what i do in this position you know Mm -hmm. and so when that gets attacked when my position gets attacked it feels like a personal attack you know when when i'm personally attacked it affects how i perform in that Occupation. It affects how I pastor, you know, because those things are very intimately tied together. And so when you when you have that, you know, as a pastor, man, when people love you, they love you. When people hate you, they freaking hate you. (laughs) You know, know? and that's just it's there's not a whole lot of indifference in between you're, you're either, you know, like, you know, I've been threatened. I've been cursed out. I've been, (laughs) and that too, man, that's pulled me to the side to complain about lights, you know, like it's just the whole whatever. And if you're not careful, that stuff can absolutely add up to a place where you're just like, dude, ha. Right. I, I need and to I need to pour this out in some arena. And unfortunately, there's a lot of pastors that pour out into very unhealthy 
arenas, you know. Right. It's interesting, too, because I think kind of another similarity is we have the same thing. We have where, like, people don't really know what we're doing, not really, but it seems like they have the loudest opinion over how it's done. And that's police, fire, and EMS. You know, and it's, I don't know, I think I know how it is with, like, the church staff body, like, with that core group. I know in our world, as an example, so COVID touched, kicks off, and, like, the whole, all of us grew really tight, the whole first responder community. And then we started bringing in, like, the ER nurses and docs. We brought them into the family because everything was happening so fast and they were getting, you know, just annihilated as well. And then George Floyd happens. And what we would do is like everybody would show up with the ambulances and fire trucks and police cars. And we put the lights on and stuff like that. And they would like actually line up all of us early in the morning. And we clap for the hospital staff as they came in and out just for morale and stuff like that. Well, then George Floyd's happens and all of the doctors and nurses at all hospitals came out and they took a knee and put their fist up. And so as first responders, we all like, what? Like, wow. Like we brought you guys in. So a month later, you could kind of just slap our faces in the dirt with this thing where none of us are in Minneapolis. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's just, and so like little moments like that, the in our in the first responder kind of world the wagon circle and then we get super like almost like hyper protective of each other sure you know it's kind of a, it's a thing that we've talked about before ashley is like i can make jokes at cops and firemen i can call them hose draggers you know i can say stupid firemen can't back up your trucks because this is something they all seem to struggle with. But like if somebody else does it that's without side the family, we're always like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. You, know? yeah. you didn't get I can say jarhead to a Marine, but you can't because yeah. I wouldn't you know? even know what joke to make. <laughs> <laughs> Be like, hey, those fatigues are super green. <laughs> but I think, it's, I think both professions though, both professions are held up to this like huge pedestal esteem, kind of like what we were talking about before we started. Right. And I think that people need to be very careful to care for these industries as people, like whole people. Right. Like we're not we're not above question. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, like, but also like these are like we're not. You're having I, families. You're dealing sure, with stuff throughout sure. the week. I mean, like but so I, that's where it's like being able. I, I guess a good question for both industries is like, okay, so how do you shift? Because I like how Shawnee Newbecker has said it before. I have a different capacity going through grief as I do in a normal period of time. I have different capacities when different things are going on. And so how do you shift your capacity when you just had that bad call that's that you're trying to wrestle with for the next couple of weeks that's kind of like on your mind, you know, like how do you like how do you shift that stuff so that you can still like do the job but take care of you sure. and your family emotionally, but like life keeps kind of maybe, shifting maybe back and forth. And- Maybe Parkin would say different, but if I have this peg correctly, I'm not, I'm not sure that, and I hope this doesn't sound arrogant. I'm not sure that people like him and I are the norm in that. (laughs) No, (laughs) you know, because I don't, I, I want the hard conversation. I want like, I, there's something about bringing clarity to confusion that um did i say that right yeah i said that right Mm -hmm. um that is life bringing to me and so you know whereas other members of our staff don't want to you know get in the mud and, and wallow around or whatever with the people that are argumentative i'm like 
they normally have to hold me back from that. <laughs> you know, like that's because yeah. I want to jump in in those circumstances. I don't know how much good it necessarily does, but, you know, it, I, I don't. And Faye would probably be a better um, gauge of this. I don't really bring things home. You know, like I don't mm-hmm. I don't really that kind of stuff, like, even though, you know, earlier when I talked about it, it being intimately tied to who you are, um, I, I don't know. There's just a, a grace. Uh, well, you know, and on an older, when you were on before, you had said, I just kind of expect people to people. I don't yeah, expect to yeah. come to work and that yeah. everything goes smoothly. I, I already yeah, right. am assuming, like, expectation that there's going to be. There's going to be some like shenanigans yeah. every day I show yeah. up to work. Right. Well, yeah. and that's the and, thing and I've said before too, with like, you know, when you sign up, you know, you're going through your EMT and paramedic program and you know, like if you sign up to be a firefighter, you don't think you're going to feel heat. Then like, I don't, you were asleep when you were doing the typing. the, but like, so yeah, there's expect an expectation and I want to be at all the worst calls it's just that like throughout what the the learning curve was always learning how to manage the stuff because obviously I've shared this I think I've shared this before but I've actually been in a position where it was a horrible car accident and one guy was partially he's like partially ejected so I'm actually straddling him who has expired who's passed away to get the other dude I know that guy's there and that I'm actually standing over him in a mattering, but in that moment, that's not the time right. to emotionally deal with that. It's another time, you know, but it's just taking the time to do that eventually. Now, I was like Pastor Carl, I was always able to separate one world from the home world until COVID. And in COVID, there was this seismic shift that I didn't even realize was happening. But that was such a thing and such a, like we were talking about earlier, actually, such an, there were so many things happening, things being said, things I was seeing between March and June of 2020 that it really, and then I never, because COVID just stayed around and we stayed doing all the protocols and all the extras. So then a couple years go by, you know, I'm like, well, you know, it, it gets bad enough at one company that I go to a new one and going through that door and that kind of that refreshing of, of the kind of the renewing of the reason I became a paramedic, which is wild to say like that, but that's really kind of what happened. Yeah. Renewed the mission for lighthouse renewed all kinds of, of the motivation and like the purpose part of it. And then I was like, Oh my gosh, like COVID really did a number on me. Like I put on a ton of weight. I was just eating everything as like late at night as like comfort or whatever the case, you know, and just, but, but all of those things is because in those moments, instead of having a week, having a bunch of bad calls, dealing with those calls, getting refreshed, going in on Wednesday, it was this continuous thing. And then the stuff outside, outside of work, you know, like we've talked about before, where I'm like, man, I'm literally seeing people die in the ambulance, but everybody else around me who I trust and, and believe in is yeah, telling me that I'm not. Yeah. You know, and it's not, and it wasn't just social media, it was like everywhere, sometimes yeah. to my face. And like, to where I think I've told you this before, Pastor Carl, but I literally felt like I was going crazy. Sure. Like, there was moments where I'm like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this really is a sham. Sure. Maybe, like, you know, just maybe then I'm just going crazy. But but that season was me not dealing with it and not talking about it. And then looking at it in retrospect and having, like, remember being able to have the recall of just disengaging, just coming here after work, yeah, going through yeah. the protocols that we had set up and just checking out. Well, the first responder industry had not gone through something like that ever in your lifetime. 
And then to have all the social things on top of, on top of the job. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just, it was pile on top of pile all at the same time. One of the things that I, I respect that you've done a lot with, you know, the first responder community is you, you know, everybody, they see something from an outside perspective and then they think that they have the job figured out. You know what I mean? Like they read an article or they do you research YouTube, you know, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they think they have your job figured out. And I, I think one of the things that I respect that you've done is you've shared what it's like being in that community, what it's like doing that job, what it's like, you know, for the, the everyday person to try to understand, you know, and I, I don't know that pastors do that as much, you know, like it, and, and in part, because I, I think people see, you know, you come on a Sunday morning and you think that that's pastoring, you right. think that that's leading a church, you know, and I, I don't, and, and I think that's our fault, to be honest. Like, I don't, I don't think that's a general, pe- you know, the amount of people that I actually, when people are like, I think I feel called the ministry, I try to talk them out of it. <laughs> you know, like, I don't try to talk them into it because first, if I can talk you out of it, I don't think you're supposed to do it. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. and, and second, it's, it's not what you see on Sunday. No, you know what man. I mean? Like I'm, I'm not a CEO. I'm not a vision casting, you know, um, and, and I wouldn't be that stuff even if I was a senior pastor, but like our, our hands are supposed to be dirty. Like we're supposed to be in it with people, you know, like mm-hmm. wh- whether, you know, black, white, rich, poor, they, them, he, she, you know what I mean? Right. LGBTQ, whatever, you know what I mean? Like the, the goal is to love people like Jesus loves, you know, like that's, that's what you're, that's what you're supposed to do and you're supposed to be in. I don't think that part gets talked about a lot. Like, I don't think that part, like, you know, where, where you're having the conversations with people where you're trying to save a marriage, Yeah, you know, you're, you're having a conversation with people where, you know, you're, you're trying to talk them towards, you know, therapy, towards counseling and, and, and everything, you know, like where, where you're making the phone call to, to DHS because, you know, you, you got a, a, a kid who admitted that they were being abused at home. You know what I mean? Like that, right. that kind of stuff, you know, where you're trying to bring hope, you know, the hope of Jesus Christ. Like I, I don't think there are very many pastors that talk about, you know, our church has this many people and this many ministries and this, and, and then you, you think that that's pastoring. You think that that's what it means to be in ministry. And it's like, I mean, maybe it is for some, I don't know, you know, maybe for some people (laughs) it's speaking on Sundays and connecting with other pastors and taking the jet to this conference and, you know, like, I I guess that is for some people, you know, like, but I, I, I just don't see it that way. And I don't think the, the, the pastoring part of it gets talked about enough. Like people get introduced to that where it's like, Oh, (laughs) you know, walk around. It's like, you know, I don't wear a monk's robe for, you know, six days a week chanting scripture, walking around, you know what I mean? Like that's not what I do for. Do you think that would take away from, you think like if people knew, like if people knew the entirety of pastor Jim's week, you know, like he's like where he's talking to one family and their marriage is over, but then this family finally had a child and this, this family you know, she just graduated at a doctorate level, but then this guy over here is suicidal. And then, 
You know, do you think that if people knew like the bloody knuckles part of it, it would take away from what they see on Sunday? If their image of pastoring is like the senior pastor is the guy and everybody loves well, them. Well, I kind of hope that pinnacle. it would take away from it. I, I hope that it would give them a, a more yeah. accurate picture of what really happens. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I guess think, it depends no, on the No, I mean, person. like, their ability to follow. No, no, I don't. I, I think, think so. you know, honestly, what I think that would do is humanize the position more. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I, listen there's many of us that have not done ourselves any favors. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I'm just being, just being real. <laughs> but I, I do think like there's, there's a lot of us that have a view of pastoring that is okay. I'm, I'm taking the hope that is scripture and the hope that is Jesus Christ and I, I don't want to keep that within a Christian country club. I want to bring that to people who need it. And I watch people walk up that driveway all the time during the week that believe that what's in that building, and I'm not, just, I'm not talking about on Sundays, that believe that what, whatever is housed in that building has some level of hope for them. And that's, that's what I'm talking about. Like that's worth more to me than what happens on Sunday morning. I don't know if I'll get in trouble for saying that, but. Well, it's the whole breadth of it. Sundays Sundays is is a beautiful thing, but it's not the pinnacle of the church experience. You know, like it's the church being the church is the pinnacle of the church experience. And I, I think I, I I think Pastor Jim is one of the most open pastors, right. you know, with the struggles, with, you know, everything that, you know, I've come across. Um, right. and, I, and I think part of the reason that he is generally loved by people is because of that. It, it, right. It's because yeah. that's the answer, I think, to your question is because he does talk about, you know, the meeting that he was in where they were trying to save a marriage and it didn't work. And then the meeting that he was in where they were trying to save the marriage and it did, you know, like, he, you know, where his grandkids did this amazing thing and where his grandkids are sick and in the hospital and he's scared, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's, he's, he's open with both of those things. And I do think that, 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 that actually, makes it easier for people to want to follow, you know, right. to, it makes it easier for people well, to want to be right. pastored and shepherded by him. Yeah. That's, you know, well, I can speak to that personally. That was the hook, if you will, for me yeah. and, and my family, like begrudgingly coming there, not really wanting at that point, it had been a couple of decades that I've been, had stepped away from, you know, like, like I'll, I'll say that I always had faith. I just wasn't walking in it. Sure. You know, you know what I mean? And then yeah. when I came to Freedom Center, I can remember hearing him the first Sunday we were there. Talk about being an addict. Talk about the thing he says with going to the place and, and dancing. Yeah, and stuff like that. bar and dancing yeah, yeah. for her. Yeah. And I was like, dude, yeah. what did you say? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, what? Yeah. Same. Same. Not I my remember ex- the electric orange shirt you know like i've never seen a pastor wear that and that sucker was like (laughs) (laughs) you know and and then introducing like hey my name's jim and i'm like hey i can't pastor i can't (laughs) right (laughs) you know and and that's not to say that his crap doesn't stink you know what i mean but um, i do think like my whole life pastor was touch not the lord's anointed right you know and right. and then i met this guy named jim i think that's, that's why i stepped away the from the church yeah what's that yeah. that was it I, like i went to we grew up in lutheran church and we yeah. did confirmation and we did all the things i was in youth group and then 
for the last couple of years, we were associated with Young Life. So I worked at those camps between like junior and senior year of high school. And then I graduate and youth groups over and here's your envelopes with your name on it. And that's it. Yeah. Have a nice life. Productive adult church member. And you're like, I had to raise my hand to go to the bathroom last week. Like, is is that still a thing? But then then the way it was, you know, it's still kind of that, you know, with the liturgy and all those traditions, it was still pastor was up on high and I was like, Oh, I'm never going to, you know, I'm never going to achieve that level. So I may as well dip out, you know, then I joined the military and did that life for a while. And then first responder and stuff. And then Holcomb was like, you should just come check it out. You should just come check it out. Yeah. And I, and I think that's like, I think the heart of the believer at its most powerful is when you're showing the love of Jesus in the everyday life, when it's not right. a platform that you're operating from, when it's not a, you know, platform is, is macro, yeah. right. but you know, and I, I remember, I remember when we were still over young adults and this, this woman started coming and she like walked in and saw worship and just walked right out. I'm like, came out, you okay? And she's like, everybody in there just has it all figured out. And I just, uh, you know, whatever. And I was like, you know, you know, at the time it's like, we, we literally had a guy coming that had been convicted of murder, (laughs) 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 you know? And it's like, no, like these, these people come because they don't know where else to go. You know, like they, they don't know where else to go for hope. You know what I mean? Yeah, like right. they, they worship because not not from a place of superiority, but they worship from a place of Lord, I need you to sustain me. Yeah. And I think that's when a believer is at their most powerful as a person that impacts the world is when my faith in Christ operates on an everyday level from this beautiful place of humility and love. Not through a special program or a special whatever, yeah. but that stuff's great. I'm not knocking right. it. You know, but when when I'm when I'm when I'm just living, and I'm inviting you to live along with that, when I'm willing to sit for five minutes or forty five minutes and hear about your life, you know, like that. That to me is when a believer is operating. Right. In a in a powerful way, you know, right. And I, right. I think I think that's evident. I mean, I think that's evident in what you've been living, Jim, in your industry. I mean, you had just said Absolutely. before we started, like people would rather come up to you than plug into a mental health and, program and get a EAP. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. And and so I think that that's where just human connection, like real relationship with other people, that. They want to sit before Pontiff Parkin. (laughs) Oh, there you go. But you know, that's, you know what I mean? But you've been doing that. You've been living like a real life. Like this is what I'm doing. You've been on, you have been honest on this podcast for three plus years. Right. Like if people have listened to, yeah. Like, like the experiment part of lighthouse experiment is like, you, you're doing what you're doing like over here and it's not working. Just, just come check it out. Yeah. Just yeah. Just dip a foot in. Sit. We're not not behavior modification. Just come check us out. You know, that's yeah. all you're always welcome. But you know, as that's all I think like like what you said, Pastor Carl, that like Sunday and that all that stuff is the macro. And it's all those little micro moments. And I've said this before on this show. It's like if you take care of the micro, the macro will take care of itself. Yeah, sure. Oh yeah. gosh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, if you so seek it's, that platform, and it's like just love on folks, man. Like, yeah, just just be you know, be a listening ear. You know, if somebody needs some groceries, give them some groceries. I don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, right. yeah, do that kind of stuff, and you'll be shocked at the number of people right. that are just impacted and see something more in this life you know like that's 
you know, common decency, you know, forget right. having to post it on social media, just, <laughs> you right. know, just meet a dang right. need. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. And that's, and it's really, I mean, I guess in both professions, we're getting paid for it, but really that's all we're doing with the ambulance. That's all the cops are just showing up to meet a need yeah. to yeah. solve, solve a little dispute or an issue or to meet a need really mm-hmm. fire guys. That's a pretty dang big need, but they're there to, you know, take care of something. We just show up to take care of something. And I think that for both industries and with humility and love, like you said, the understanding that for some, for a lot of people, by us just showing up for them, we've improved their situation, you know? Yeah. And that's, you know, it's, but at the same time, that's a, you know, that can be a heavy load to carry. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, when, it's a, go ahead. Sorry. It's, it's weird, right? Cause it's, a, yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's what I was going to like, it's this weird kind of dichotomy where it's like the, the people, and, and I'm not saying that there aren't people that have valid points at times, maybe with both of our occupations of the criticisms, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Sure. But, but there are, there are people out there that, and, and again, not arrogant, whatever, that when I walk into that meeting with them, there's an expectation that something is going to change, that something is going to shift, that I'm going to get an answer that I didn't have before, that I'm not going to, you know what I mean? And and again, you you can argue whatever you want to argue with that, but that's a reality. The same, when you show up, there is a comfort that's like, you know, the naysayers would say, ah, they shouldn't even, or they do this wrong, or this is systemically whatever. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people out there that when you show up, <laughs> it's like, right. thank freaking God, you know, like right. when those, oh, yeah. those police lights pull up, it's like, dear Jesus, thank you. You know what yeah. I mean? And you know, like, and what was the interesting <laughs> thing that I heard a few years back, I can't remember, it was, might have been, 2017 or 18 but there was this thing in new york in the city where people were bombing the police with like buckets of water or water balloons just throw it in the car throw it on them when they were trying to deal with stuff and and you know somebody had somebody had kind of joked on that like on facebook or whatever i said the interesting thing you'll find about these people these men and women that are called into that profession to do it is like you could throw a bucket of water on them but then when you need them in an hour, they're still going to show up. Right. And they're still going to yes. do the thing. So yeah. <clears throat> that is, that is in both professions, something that is, yeah. I think part of the, yeah. a huge part of the gifting is that people can cast all the shade and we'll all still just keep showing up. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's where I would say you have to be careful. Not, like there are, like I said, there, are, I'm not saying that, either profession is beyond question right that there aren't legitimate concerns with how things are done and systems and all of that i'm not saying that at all but what i am saying is in the attempts to bring change to want to do away with that you underestimate the amount of hope that you're robbing from people yeah. when right. you do you know like i i read a book recently and i'll i'll tie this in i promise <laughs> but it's uh esau mccauley um it's called reading while black and he talks about going to you know a liberal bible college and and in that bible college would tend to want to take the lens of scripture and and look at it not through you know biblical means but through western thought And he said, you know, you have to be careful with that because, you know, the black community that that craves hope and craves um, a a rescue from that has this perfect example of that in Israel. So when you discount scripture, 
you're actually robbing hope of millions of people that would look at scripture and say that there is a God that at some point in time will bring hope to me because they did it. He did it to these people, you know? Right. And so you, you have to be careful. I think sometimes in your criticisms of things, not to never criticize, but to also understand that there are people who, who have legitimate issues that find great hope in your arrival, in my arrival, um, because of what we represent. You know what I mean? Right. So I, I don't know the answer of how that gets balanced out, but it it's an interesting thing to think about, you know? That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's wild. It's wild. It's all very wild, but like, I, but so super important to take care of, you know that, you know to kind of steward it, or be good stewards of it by taking yeah. care of that, that 100%. mental and emotional piece. Hundred percent. You know? Yeah. You know, there's a great deal of responsibility in that. Like, in for our community, fitness, physical fitness as a part of it, you should be fit enough to be able to like, I'll say it this way. A lot of people think it's a strange way I say this, but I feel like I owe it to the community to be in physical shape enough to be able to care for them. If they're, they're expecting me to be able to provide care. That's part of what EMS, but first responders are, then I should have myself physically fit enough to be able to do that successfully but also mentally and emotionally i should be working towards keeping myself in a position to be able to to do that job still and care for people right you know yeah i'd I'd say the same for us i'm even like pastoring i wouldn't necessarily i mean unless you're preaching and i you you know this because you've done it. That could take it out of you. That's you just know, like to you, will. Now will at the end you. of the day, you're like, how the heck? Like I just stood there and talked, <laughs> you know. Right. But, and I only ever I'd did say, it at an encounter where it was like, oh, yeah. throwback. But <laughs> right, um, right. And that was just so just once, not this twice on Sunday right. business. Yeah, Sunday mornings, man, it takes it out of you. But I I would say anything that helps me. You know, whether it's physical, you know, I'm, I'm a big dude, but I work out, you know, like, and I do that because it helps me feel good physically. If I feel, if I feel good mentally, good emotionally, good spiritually, but I don't feel good spiritually, that does, or uh, physically, that does affect how I pastor. Yeah, yeah. It's going mm-hmm. to, you know, like, because right. if, if I'm in constant pain in areas or if I feel sluggish or what you know maybe other people can do that but i've learned enough about myself that you know if i'm not in the gym i don't feel strong like it it does impact how i view things and how i you know like i just that's that's just me you know so i'd say the same you know and we talked about a lot of that just being able to manage stress manage a lot of other things that were so connected in our body and everything that yeah. it, it does so much good mm-hmm. to move and be moving, yeah. be in a good place physically, whatever that looks like. Person and person. Turns out that that's also good for you mentally. Yeah. 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 So. yeah I, I mean, I, we, we had some training earlier in the year for prison project with uh, a trauma informed counselor that came in to train the staff and stuff. And she was like, I know, that I have to do these certain things for myself mentally, physically, like working out and doing all these things. She's like, otherwise I can't do this job and not burn out. <laughs> I'm, I'm giving, yeah. you know, I'm yeah. doing counseling, you know, therapy for like families and kids going through trauma or that have gone through trauma. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I, I have to, I know what I need to do so that I can do this well. So, yeah. Yeah. Right on. Well, that's really all I got. We're going to abruptly land this plane because yeah, I, I think so we touched all on everything. To say that not every occupation is tied to purpose. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
And that's what we were getting at this whole time. Yeah, you know what? Occupations are tied to purpose. Yeah. (laughs) I think there's an I think there's an innate wiring of what people have to give. And I think Jim, you're a perfect example of like, hey, you've always been somebody that's come alongside people. Mm -hmm. And you're figuring out how to do this even long after you're done being on the rig. Because what you have to give is bigger in that way and so like like my mom always knew she just wanted to help people and she figured out how to do that by being an RN and she figured out how to do that best for herself by being on the ICU floor so I I think that you know inherently I think that all of us have different ways that we want to serve and give Um, and I think that there's a lot of different ways that we can do that and figure out how to do that in what you're doing even right now and stuff so I yeah I yeah, I think that's pretty, yeah. I will say this about pastoral care and, and, and that as a thing is I never, I never really considered how hard it would be. <laughs> and then even to the point where I'd be like, well, it's only campus pastors. So I'm still, it's still relatively low key. No, no, no. The way that I, the way that I, I think of the people, even the people that only come once in a while, the way that they have like a part, like a piece of your heart is just, is not, I was not expecting that. I'll just say that. And it's just like eight people. So I don't know how y'all do it, but it's, you know, but then it's also, it's more than that. Because it's people, it's people who know, you know, that I come into this new agency and people, people know that about me. And so then, then you're like, you know, people want to talk and they have questions and they have stories and they have needs and stuff like that. And I think that speaks more to your purpose than it does just your occupation. Right. So that's I think that that's, that's a great example that's, of how. And that's, yeah. I meant for that to come around to that. Yeah. There you go. Well, you, you're a perfect example. And I think you see this from time to time of how, like, you, you've got the thing set. But what you do within this thing shifts, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like a caregiver to people. Well, now you're a caregiver to people as much as you are a caregiver to the caregivers. You know what I right. mean? Like, yeah, the, like things, things change. Like, I, I feel like we're fortunate in that. Like, I'm, I'm all like, this is, there's no plan B for me in this. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. but like, what I do within this, like my calling is to the house of Freedom Center Church. Right. What I do within that, I'm kindergarten to three-year-old director. I you know, work with young adults. Uh, you know, we started FCA, we started the daycare, you know, now we're doing small groups and marriage ministry and pastoral care, you know, like what, uh, you know, social media, right. Where the, you know what I mean? Like it just, yeah. What what you do can shift within that, and that's a renewed sense of purpose. You know, like it, yeah. it's a it's a renewed sense. Like when your heart starts to shift, it's oh, how can I bring this into what mm-hmm. I'm doing? And it seems like like I think there are some occupations that allow the flexibility to do that. You know, yeah. so mm-hmm. and it's pretty cool here at MMR where they repeatedly tell me like the top three people like you have our full support mm-hmm. whatever you want to do right like in that with cool. chaplaincy or pastoral wise and then what's also pretty neat is to see how how protective my coworkers are like all the time and until now like the 18 years prior i never had people reach out like they reach out now and just yeah. checking in that's yeah, it's cool. You you hear a lot. You hear from us a lot. We need you a lot. Are you good? It's crazy. It's almost like when you love people, they love, they you, love back. you back. Yeah, it's, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. So it's a wild, wild thing. Anyway, well, that's it, man. That's all I got. Thanks for coming back. Visited Glad the I show could. more than anybody. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. I had to keep that alive, man. I I felt 
the throne felt a little threatened, so I had to make <laughs> sure I made a return. You know, Heck like, yeah. Next time I'll play like Return of the Mac, and I'll just like pop <laughs> in. <the screen>. <laughs> <laughs> oh Mark no, Morrison going, you know. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh well. Well, all right. I'll close this out. Thank you to our listeners, of course. Thank you to Freedom Center Church and Kingdom Builders for helping to make this possible. And remember, if you need help, get it, dial 988 or text. Like I said last week, texting is what I would do if I needed to get help. I would text 988. So get help before you need it. Peace. Peace.